Okay, good morning, Boker Tov, and a good Chodesh, Chodesh Tov, Mishanichnas Adar. Tomorrow is officially the first day of Adar, but you can never be too early for feeling Simcha. So, Marben B'Simcha, a good month, a good Chodesh. Maostov Chasan and Kala, who are here, Ron and Pam. Amazing, it's great to see you. I want to thank our generous sponsors of the Parsha series for the year, Becky and Avi Katz, and family in memory of Becky's father, David Grossman, Lily Nishmas, David Ben, Menachem Manish. The show is also sponsored by Arlene Jacobson in honor of Paul and Elke Trink, by Evie and Stanley Wright Weiss, Gloria and Alfine in memory of their father, Louis Weiss, on his yurt site, on the third of Adar Aleph, by Judith Rosen, Judy Rosen in commemoration of her beloved husband's yurt site, Rabbi Marvin Rosen, who I was privileged to know. And I want to dedicate our show this morning, all the shirim, all the learning in our shul, for two young members of our community in need of a speedy, painless, and full of Shlema, Esther Tehila Bas Ariat Sipora, and Carmel Shai Ben Rezo, they should have a full and a speedy Rafua Shlema. This week is a big transition. We go in Parsha Sefer Shmos. We're still in the book of Shmos, the second book of the Torah. However, we are moving from the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. We are transitioning from the story of the Exodus to the building of the Mishkan. Truma begins what seemed to be in some ways repetitive Parshios, and yet, there's so much to glean, so much to extract, so many perspectives for today. Truma and Tetzava, and then Kisisa, we take a little detour to uh, read about the story of the Chaita Egel. I'm all twisted up here. To read about the story of the Chaita Egel. And then we come back to Vayaka Bakude that seem to be redundant, that seem to be repetitive, and yet they too add something more. So page 444 in the Arts Cross Stone Chumash. Hashem speaks to Moshe. Maybe that's him calling right now, saying, "Daber el bnei Yisrael." He tells Moshe, "Speak to the Jewish people." And what is the message? What are they to say? Tell the people, let them take a portion for me from every person whose heart motivates. Take a portion. From each Yidvenu Bo, from everyone whose heart motivates, there is so much to say. We could spend a full hour just on this opening Pasuk. By the way, just uh, two more opportunities to learn together today. I'm going to shamelessly promote. One is a lunch and learn that we're having at 12.30. If you didn't order the lunch, then you're just coming to learn. 12 o'clock, but I'm speaking at 12.30. I only care about what I have to do. <laughs> you can get there, you can stay from now until then if you want. But the sheer part will be, the learn part will start at 12.30. If you did not order, you will not be provided with lunch, but you can feel free to come join us, bring a snack nonetheless. At 12.30, the sheer will begin. Also, tonight, 7.30, Rabbis on the Run. We have the privilege of studying tonight. I'm very excited. Fascinating topic. Really fascinating topic. The Friedrich Rebbe, the last Lubavitcher Rebbe, the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe, who was saved from the Nazis by a German Secret Service officer by essentially a Nazi who himself was half Jewish. It's an extraordinary story. And without his being saved, we wouldn't have had the seventh Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe of Menachem Endel Schneerson, and all of Chabad that we have today. You on vacation would have no kosher food, nowhere to daven, and no mikveh to use. So be very grateful for that. We'll hear about that story 730 tonight. Hashem through Moshe says, everybody give a donation. With a generous heart, a generous soul, and a generous spirit, give a donation. Oh, so much to talk about here. Why are we beginning with a donation? Why are we beginning with a donation? So we'll start with an insight from the Meged Yosef. Meged Yosef, again, my neighbor, the Mayor Sarotskin, his father, Yosef Yehuda Leib Sarotskin, and his beautiful Sefer Meged Yosef that he shared with me. He says the following, Tanat Be'elio, Kevin Shalom Yisrael, Nasa V'nishma, Miyad Amr HaKadosh Baruch Moshe, V'yikhu Litrum. This is an amazing medrash. Listen carefully, I'm tempted to save this for our capital campaign, 
I will promise you I will bring it up again then. Medrash tells us that last week's parsha we read, Hashem offers the Jewish people the Torah. And they say, we're in. Nasa v'nishma. He says, but I didn't even tell you what it says. They say, it doesn't matter. We love you. We're in. Tell a good friend, I need a favor. The friend says, done. So what do you mean done? I didn't even tell you what it is yet. It doesn't matter. I love you. I care about you. I'm there for you. Done. When we have somebody that we love going through a hard time, we're lining up whatever we can do. You don't have to tell us what it is. Nasa, I'm in. Done. I'm in. All in. I'm moved. I'm in. The Medrash says, as soon as the Jewish people said Nasa, as soon as they said, we are all in, Hashem said, oh yeah? Okay, good. V'yichuli truma. V'yichuli truma. Says the Megid, says the Megid Yosef, understanding this Medrash, and others say similarly, it's really easy to say I'm all in. But then they say, great, can I get your credit card number? Great, would you like to make a donation? I'm all in, Rabbi. I love you. I love the community. I love everything the shul stands for. I love the vision. I love the values. I identify. Would you consider being a member of our pillar society? Well, I don't know if I love it that much. You know, the egg salad, I would get a different brand. I don't know. I once couldn't find a parking spot. The parashashir. Nasa v'nishma doesn't mean anything if you're not ready vehicle truma. The measure of how committed we are is how much you're ready to give. I'm not designing you have to go into debt or act irresponsibly in what you give, but talk is cheap. It's lip service, it's easy. And this isn't my insight, this is the Medrash. Miyad, immediately after Nasa Vanishma, Amar Kodesh oh yeah? Huh? Nasa Vanishma? Interesting, really, you're in? Yeah, we're in. No matter what? No matter what. You love me? Oh, you have no idea how much we love. Fantastic. Open your checkbook. Well, I don't know. It wasn't such a good year. Corona, I can't. I, you don't know what I get. I pay my grandchildren's tuition. You don't know. Every excuse under the sun. Babir Advarm says the Megid Yosef. Nasa Vinishma was a high. Nasa Vinishma was an unbelievable moment. At the end of the of Moshe Weinberger, if I bring in the other week, the lights were dimmed, everybody was singing and dancing and jumping and hopping and bopping. He touched our hearts and our souls. And if I would have said, everyone, you're in, oh, am I in? Oh, I'm never missing a minion again. I'm a daven, I'm a learn, a chesed, I'm on fire. Fantastic. Lahavda, lahavda, matan Torah was many, many multiples of that. But a real nation cannot forever feel, can't remain on that level of that spiritual inspiration, that enthusiasm, that energy, it wanes. You cannot stay on top of the mountain all the time. You can't. The feeling you had on your way out of Ni'ilah, the feeling you have at a magnificent sunrise, sunset, the feeling at a phenomenal fabrengen, the feeling that you have in a moment of great joy, of a simcha, you can't stay on top of the mountain. So Hashem said, but I want this to last. So what happens? If I leave it at the enthusiasm, if I leave it after the energy of Matan Torah, what happens? As soon as that energy dissipates, so does this commitment. As soon as the energy dissolves, there goes this story, this experiment called the Jewish people. So how do we solidify? How do we concretize? How do we get them invested? How do we make sure this is set up and positioned to last? You know what the answer is? Put some skin in the game. Reach into your wallet. Make an investment. Give what you've worked hard for, a piece of yourself, and now you have a commitment. Now you've concretized. Now it's real. There is nothing 
that will as quickly or precipitously bring you down from a spiritual high than writing a check. Nothing will ground you and nothing will root you and nothing will concretize you and nothing will test you how real this is like opening up your wallet. I could talk to you about checks. The young people, Venmo, Zelle, they don't know what a check is. Nothing will ground you as quickly as having to cough it up, as having to be a stakeholder, of having to invest and give a piece of yourself. So says the Megid Yosef, that's what's going on. Oh, last week. Oh, Nasa Nishma, Oh, amazing. Oh, you love me and love and romance and energy and spiritual high on top of the mountain. It's, ama- it's, ama- it's amazing. It's amazing. You do anything? Anything. Okay. Yechuli Truma. Are you ready to contribute? Are you ready to be counted? Are you ready to move the proverbial thermometer? Are you ready to make this new campus a reality? Let's see. Let's see that level of commitment. And that's why the Medrash says, Miyad, Nasa Venishma, Miyad, the Yechuli Truma. Immediately. He tells the story once of Chaim Velashin, a great Talmud of the Gra, came to the Gra, Beislavas Gedola, he was on fire, energized, he wanted to open up a yeshiva. And the girl said, nope, you don't have my blessing. He said, I'm on fire, I can change the world. This yeshiva will be novel, will be incredible. It will be almost as good as the yeshiva of South Florida. And the girl said, no, now's not the time and you can't do it. And Rechaim was, was very, was very taken aback. He was very sad. His own Rebbe wouldn't give an endorsement for this yeshiva he was so excited about. So a few weeks went by, a few months went by, and Rechaim came back to his Rebbe, the girl, and he said, I've given it a lot of thought and I've really sat on it and I've really created a strategic plan around it. And here's why I really believe this is right. And the girl said, absolutely, I'm all in. You have my full support. He said, well, what happened? He said, when you were on fire and when you were, you know, enthused and when you're... So what would happen when that enthusiasm would wane? Your yeshiva wouldn't succeed. You needed to come from a position of calm. You needed to come from a position of being concretized, real, thought out, strategic planning. That which is done only from being on a spiritual high it won't last. It won't last. It needs to be manifest in, in real-world application and concretizing and so on. That's the pshat in V'yichuli Truma right after Nasa Venishma. I love that insight for some obvious reasons, and I will be following up with some of you about that insight as well. That is the insight of the Megid Yosef. Rav Nachman of Breslau has a similar insight. He says, what's the pshat V'yichuli? Why does it say V'yichuli? Why is it for me? And how can you take a gift for God? What do you get for the person who doesn't have everything, who is the source of everything? What gift do you give God who doesn't just have everything? He is everything. Rashi. Rashi writes on the word li, What you're giving God is not really the financial investment. The v'yichuli, Rashi says, v'yichuli, except for me a donation, a truma. Li lishmi. It's not about the check or how big it is, it's about what's in your heart. It's about how generous a spirit you have. You know, did they have to come do root canal to get the money? Did they have to do open heart surgery? Did they have to pin you against the wall? Did you give it because of pressure? Or do you have a generous spirit and a generous heart? And are you doing it for the right reasons? Are you giving because you want to advance and further a cause you believe in and identify with? Are you giving because you want your name in lights or you want the social accolades or you want to meet the peer pressure? Why are you giving? So Rashi says, Li lishmi. Don't just give something a financial amount. The li has to be lishmi. It has to be for the right reason. And the same is true when it comes to tzedakah. You know, on the one hand, tzedakah, 
did the check clear? That's all that matters. But on the other hand, that's not all that matters. Maybe for the recipient, what matters is, did the check clear? But for the giver, it's about the manner in which you gave. What energy did you bring in the way that you gave? What, did you give a piece of yourself? Did you pay this so you wouldn't have to give some of yourself? Some people make large donations so that other people will practice what they're supposed to. So they write to the yeshiva, the kolo, the shul, the mikvah, the eruv, you guys be religious, you're the religious institutions, and now I paid my dues so I can go live the life I want. Some people pay as the out to be able to go live the way they want, and Hashem says, no, 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 that's not what it's about. V'yikhuli li lishmi. It's not just about writing the check, you're not paying your way out, but it's about giving a piece of yourself. Rav Nachman writes in the Kutei Mu'aran Chilak Al-Simen Yigimel, E'efshar la'agiyah la'asaga gavoha ba'ashem ala yidei shviras taivas ha'mamon. This is the way that you get to a connection with Hashem. We have several taivas. We have many struggles, temptations, desires, compulsions that we, that we confront, that we fight. Tonight, with Siddur Snippets, we'll continue. We talk about this. Lo sasur, achare levavchem, achare nechem. There's a beautiful insight of the Gra. We'll talk about the three different types of taiva that a person has. Siddur Snippets tonight. We have lots of opportunities to learn together today. So just keep coming back. Just... Uber Eats, just stay here the whole day and send for your, send for your stuff. So, but the Rav Nachman writes, one of the biggest taivas that really defines who we are is taivas mamum. What is our relationship and attitude towards our money? Are we the steward over God's money and therefore we use it and allocate and delegate it the way it's intended to? Or is the money ours and we hold on to it tight? And we hold on to it tight. You know, they say when a baby's born, their fists are closed. A baby's born, their fists are closed. And those who are in the Chavar Kaddisha do a Tahara, you know that a person passes away, their hand is open. When you come into this world, you're grabbing on tight. You're trying to hold on. You think it's yours and it's mine and I need, and I need more and I am more. And when you're ready to leave this world, you realize that you can't take any of that with you. It never defined you. And while it's nice to have, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying it, and there's nothing wrong with working hard for it, but you have to have it in the right perspective. Have to have it in the right perspective. So if Nachman says, one of the big metrics, one of the big tests of who we are and our relationship with Hashem is our attitude towards money. Now is not the time. I once gave a whole Shabbos Shuva Drasha about this because we say that one of the three things that rips up the Gzeira, and we speak about this, the conclusion, the pinnacle of Unisana Tokav, arguably the most moving and stirring part of our liturgy, of our davening, we say one of the three things, Uchuva, Utfila, Utsudaka, Ma'avir, Nisra Tshuva, you can transform yourself, entirely change, become a much better version of yourself. Tfila, you can daven, you can pray, you can be humbled. Or, just write the check to the judge, and he'll change your sentencing. Just how much can you stop the judge, how much can you write the check for, how much can you take? What, staka, mavir, nizroa, hagzeira? We've discussed this in the past. Tshuva, I understand. Tfila, I understand. Staka, mavir, nizroa, hagzeira? So the quick answer, which makes you wonder why it took me an hour and a half that Shabbos ago, the Shabbos Shuvah. But the quick answer is because as transformative as Shuvah is, as life-changing as Tefillah is, is how transformational Tzedakah is. Because it's what it says about our relationship with our money. Where it comes from, how much it defines us, and what we do with it. Work hard for it. Enjoy it. Enjoy fine things in life. Nothing wrong. Hashem put us in this world to do that. But do we give our share? Do we give what we're meant to give? So Rav Nachman writes, Shviras taiva samaman, breaking that taiva, that impulse, that instinct, that love, that definition of mamon. So what's the test of your relationship with money? 
What's the test? Is tztaka. Tztaka. Do you run to give or do you wait to be asked? When you're asked, do you give readily and grateful for the opportunity to make that investment? Or do you give a hard time, 14 excuses, say no, before finally you give the bare minimum of what it will take to end the conversation? Why? Why does a person not give? Why does a person not give? Believe me, this is on my mind. We have, we're not announced yet, but this capital campaign, thank God we're well on our way, but we have a lot of money to give, a lot of money to raise. And there are people who have capacity. Baruch Hashem, many, many times over, Hashem has blessed and people worked hard and deserve the credit and should be proud who have tremendous capacity. I don't know. You know why I know that? Because this is on my mind a lot. Because people will tell you how well they're doing and how much they're killing it and how big their business is and how everything is going. And then you say, that's fantastic. I'm so happy for you. Would you help me with this cause that we're working on? Well, it's not going that well. And right now it's just, you know, on paper. And I don't really have whatever. So people talk about how much that. And they say, well, Hashem has blessed you. So if you would help us in this way, it won't impact you, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. It will never impact anyone in your family forever and ever. And yet, you can change our community forever. What do you say? Are you in? No. Why? What holds a person back? When it won't change a person's own quality of life or living, when it won't change the quality of life or security, financial security of anyone in their family forever. What holds a person back? What holds a person back? So it's a lack of amuna. It's a fear. It's an anxiety. It's either a competitiveness. I have to have more. I have to have the most. I have to rank the highest. Or it's a fear. What happens if something could happen? What if there's a crash? What if there's a this? What if there's a that? What would happen? I'll be left without. Tzedakah is an expression of amuna. When you say, you know what, 90% I get to keep. 90, 90% I get to keep. Just 10% Hashem has said. Hashem was the senior partner in every endeavor I'm in. Every investment, every business, every entrepreneurship. Everything I've ever done, Hashem is the 90% partner. And I'm at best the 10% contributor. And yet Hashem says, I'll tell you what though. You get to keep 90%. And 10% I don't even want. Just give it to your siblings. Give it to my other children. They need help. And a person says, no, I need 100%. I can't even give 10. Do you know what the Jewish people would look like if the Jewish community actually gave Miser? Every problem we have would be solved. The Jewish tuition crisis and Israel advocacy and chesed and mikvahs and yeshivas. Every problem would be solved if actually people gave 10%. Not, not 11%, just, just the 10%. If we actually gave it. For whatever reason, we have this allergy. Some people have the allergy. They have not yet tasted the ultimate joy and satisfaction and meaning and purpose and happiness of using your resources in a way that makes a difference. They haven't tasted it yet. I'm sorry, I'm going off on this. That was not the point. Let's come back to Rav Nachman. But if you'd like to speak to me right after Shira, I'd be more than happy to talk to you about the future here. So how do we express our... our our bitachon, emunah. Hashem, I trust you. I'm not going to give away 100% of what I have right now. I was at Rav Shlomo Kabach's funeral. A collection had to be made in order to pay for his funeral. You know why? Rav Shlomo had a problem. Every concert he did and every CD he sold and every time he was paid, the next poor person who said to him, hey, brother, can you help me out? He just gave the whole thing away. And he was left with nothing. He was destitute. His funeral had to be paid for. That's not right. That's not correct. In halacha, you're not allowed to give more than 20% of your income to tzedakah. Person shouldn't help others to the point that they then need help. Uh, I'm not 
here to criticize him. He had such a giving heart, he couldn't help himself. But that's not what's expected of us. And nor does the Torah say, give away everything so that you need help. That's not what the Torah is saying. But give away what you're meant to give away, and that is an exercise in emunah. Hashem, I trust you, so I can give 10% away because you're going to replace it with 20% more. I believe, I trust, I know. And you're my partner, and I know that I'm giving you such nachas ruach. I know how much pride you take in me when I do the right thing with our money. You're not worried what you're going to eat tomorrow. You're not worried about the future. Rav Nachman further writes in the Kutei Moranche Lekavsim Kuftei Zayin, person who gives staka nitan me'averos, that giving staka helps protect you from making mistakes. That's what Chazal say, Kol Merachim Al-Abrios Merachim Al-Ovin HaShamayim, Gemara Shabbos Kuftei that a person who's compassionate and kind to others, Hashem is compassionate and kind to you. When you bail someone out, Hashem bails you out. When you step up and support someone, Hashem's going to step in and support you. When you enable and empower and enrich others with your resources, Hashem will enable and empower you. It's directly proportional. There's a direct relationship, says the Gemara. And there's a lot more. But that's what Rabbi Nachman says, V'yichuli truma. That's why it's V'yichuli truma. V'yichuli truma. This also explains, he doesn't say it explicitly, but this also explains the famous question. It should be V'yitnu. You should give. Why is it V'yichu? It's a palindrome. V'yitnu backwards and forwards reads the same. No. Which is the palindrome? Not v'yichu. Not the... Nasnu. Thank you. The nasnu. Every time you give, you really receive. What are you receiving? You're receiving this boost in amuna. You're receiving this relationship with Hashem. You're receiving becoming a better person. V'yichu. V'yitnu. Kotzker. A few more on this opening pasuk, and then I promise you we will move on. The Kotzker. Oh, such a great Kotzker. Kotzker Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Kotzk, had a close dear friend, colleague, named Rav Vorka. And they had a big disagreement. The Kotzker Rebbe loved to practice his bodedus. He wasn't the first. It goes back to Moshe Rabbeinu, and it goes back to Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, and it goes back to Adam Arishon, the notion of his bodedus, the notion of being comfortable in our own skin, spending time by ourselves, connecting to Hashem, being alone. Being alone. Adam Nivri Yechidi. Man was created alone. The Shorah Adam in our core is a comfort with being alone. Now, we're not meant to be alone. It's not good to be alone. Hashem says, don't be alone for life. I'm going to make a helpmate opposite you. Go find companionship. But the Shorosh HaNeshama, at the core of who we are, is Adam Nevri Yechidi. Adam was created not with Chavah. He was all alone in this world. We should be comfortable being alone. You don't have to turn on the radio or a podcast. You don't have to have noise. You don't have to be on the phone. You could drive and just be lost in your thoughts. You could go for a walk, you could sit, you could be talking to Hashem from what's in your heart. So Rav Nachman was very far from the first, but he was an enormous proponent who really promoted and spelled out in detail his bodedus. Yitzchak Varka, on the other hand, would do his chabras, not his bodedus, not spending time alone in his own thoughts and in conversation with Hashem, but his chabras with other chasidim, connection with others, camaraderie with others. There's essentially a debate and I don't mean to limit this or minimize it by simply saying it's a question of the Kotzker was an introvert and Rav Yitzchak was an extrovert. It's not that simple, but there's clearly a component of that. Where do you draw your energy? From when you are alone? Or do you draw your energy and inspiration from when you are with and connected to others? So once the two of them met, so said the Kotzker, Derech Shali Marumas Batora. My path and my way, my Hezbodedus, it's alluded to in the Torah. Where? Pasuk says, Shtet and Pasuk, V'yikhu li. V'yikhu, take li. Me time. Being alone. 
Rashi says, truma The word truma means a gift, but the word truma, as in the mitzvah of truma, also means to separate. Truma, when the farmer gives truma to the Kohen, they are separating, they're tithing. So truma, v'yikhuli truma. You have to separate for yourself and be apart. You have to have the capacity for his bodhidus. So said the Kotzker to his dear friend and colleague, Yitzchak Vorker, he said, you see, the Torah endorses my way. V'yikhu li truma. Sometimes you have to take for yourself to separate. Sometimes you have to disconnect. Sometimes you have to be alone. So Yitzchak Vorker said to him, and, and he said, the Kotzker, afilu minatovim, afilu me'es kol asher yidvenu libo. Sometimes you have to even be willing to separate from others asher yidvenu libo. Good people around you. Good chasidim, good righteous people. Of course they have a lot to offer, of course they could compliment you, but still, the truma. Sometimes you have to separate yourself away. So the Varka Rebbe, Rebbe Varka said, no, 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 shali gamkan. My path is also alluded to in the very same Pasuk. V'yichuli truma me'ez kol ish, mikol echad truma me'ez kol ish. You should separate yourself with every person. Find what from every person you could draw from, you could learn from, what you could connect, and how you could connect from them. So an interesting debate between the Kotzker of Yitzchak Vorka, introvert, extrovert, where do you draw your energy, what is going to inspire, elevate, enrich you more? When you're comfortable in your own skin alone time, or when you are camaraderie, companionship, connection time? Of course the answer is both. You need a little bit of both. And you have to find that blend, find that mix. Each of them tried to bring evidence from, from the Pasuk. Um, two more quickly. Two more quickly. The Ber Ben Yisrael v'yichuli truma. The Balaturim here on the pasuk. The Balaturim says pasuk the Ber Ben Yisrael b'lashem pius. Parsha begins the Ber lashem pius to appease to satisfy. Kamo dabru alev Yerushalayim. Like the pasuk says dabru alev Yerushalayim. We read on Shabbos Nachem with Haftorah. Torah. B'shuvah shahayabuch yisar and kiss paisam. Why in the world did you need to appease them? Why did you need to communicate this gently and softly? Because it's going to cost them something. It's going to cost them something. It's easy when it costs you mincha marav. It's easy when it costs you, could you show up and help at the soup kitchen, serve on the chevra? Relatively easy. When you got to dip into your wallet, got to dip into your bank account, your savings, chisar and kiss, it's going to cost you something. It needs pius. You have to be gentle. You have to ask. You have to apologize. You have to appease. And so on. The Medrash says, Amar Avavo, Malasos Mishkan, covered with Kapar Yisrael, Amar Dabel Ben Yisrael, Lashon Pios, Hadochkin Yisrael, Venotlanis Mamonam, Matei Aleya. So we have to understand what's going on over here. Klal Yisrael, they needed Pios because it's going to cost them. So I understand in 2022, Tafshin Pei Beis, I understand that everyone in this room and everyone in this community, everyone around the world, we worked hard for our money. And therefore, we struggled to part with it. And by the way, Chazal acknowledged that. In the Gemara, in the Talmud, what word do we use for money? Damim. You know why damim? Because blood, sweat, and tears to earn that money. You gave up energy, time, opportunity, little league games. You gave up dinner. You gave up. There was a lot that was given up in order to earn that money. So we feel rightfully, it's ours. It's who we are. It's a piece of me. I gave up for it. Damim. My blood, sweat, and tears for it. But ask the... Many, we'll see the Gerar, Altar of Kelm, and others. But this generation, where'd they get this money? <laughs> Moshe Rabbeinu turns and he does the first capital campaign. We're raising money for the Mishkan. 
I'd like everybody to give according to their means. Everybody give according to their capacity. Everybody give a meaningful gift for them. And the people say, ah, no, it's my money. Moshe says, please, Daber, Lashon Pius. What are you talking about? This is a generation that just experienced miracles. Minutes, moments ago, they were slaves, persecuted, oppressed. I don't know if Whoopi Goldberg would say it's not racism because you can't see it on the color of their skin. So even though millions were murdered, it doesn't constitute a real uh, affront to humanity. It doesn't qualify. A shame to have the same last name. <laughs> we're not related. As far as I know. As far as I know. That's a busha. Not, not even, doesn't even deserve to, get, to be spoken about. So this is a slave nation. A minute ago, literally moments ago, they were persecuted, oppressed, murdered, holding on to their lives. On the way out, God said, you won the lottery. Take gold and silver from the Egyptians. And then when they drown in the sea from their chariots, take even more. Collect, compile, take. You're good to go. So you liberate the death camp. On the way out, you say, every victim who's walking out of, of Auschwitz-Birkenau, here's a million dollars. And then a week later, you say, by the way, could you, from the million dollars, would you make a donation? Would you make a contribution? We're trying to build the shul. Someone would say, it's my money. No. How could you ask me? Be gentle, kind. To be, what are you talking about? Where'd they get this money? They were going to die a minute ago. They're miraculously saved. They're entirely gifted this money. And now all of a sudden, they're struggling to part with it. You need a lush and peace. Moreover, what's the Mishkan for? It's for them. We're not going to go into it now. Maybe in two weeks, Parshish Kisisa. But why? Why did they need a Mishkan altogether? The Mishkan, according to most, is the antidote. It's the repair. It's the reaction to the Chayte Egel. You people wanted something tangible. God says, I was good to go going through the desert and into Eretz Yisrael and we'd have a purely invisible spiritual relationship. But you, you claimed you need someone to see, to touch, to hold on to, a place to go, to visit, to stand in. And so you built an ego because you needed something physical. Wrong way to go. You can't do it for yourself. You can't experiment on your own. Don't take such bold initiative. I understand the sentiment, but you went about it the wrong way. But I'll tell you what, here's a mishkan. So it's for you, but I need you to help pay for it. No, 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 no. What's going on over here? Why? So the Gra, Shekan Ron Anu at Kama Koshi Ayet Sahara. Gamim Yilo Adam Kesav Azov the Rov, Eino Meniach Lulasis Afil Davramur Afil Davra Chashu Biyoser. The Gra says, you see from here, from the very inception of our people, how difficult it is to part with money. This is a Yet Sahara. It's a Yet Sahara. I'm not saying that cynically, sarcastically, critically. It's validating the feeling that we have. One of the biggest Yet Saharas we have is financial insecurity. And the, and the challenge with our willingness to part with our money. You see that even when we believe in the cause, even when we care about the cause, even when we won that money, we still struggle to part with it. In other words, the questions are so compelling that it leads the Gra to conclude that there's not an answer other than what an enormous Yetzirah we have, that Moshe had to be patient and sensitive and slow and kind. The altar of Kelm, the altar of Kelm says, so imagine somebody says to you, I'm giving you a gift. I'm giving you a gift. I won the lottery, I have a billion dollars. 
And you're my friend, I care about you. I want to set you up, I want you to be happy. So here's $5 million I'm transferring to you. Transfers the $5 million and a week later says, by the way, I'm hosting a dinner for this cause I believe in, would you take out an ad? And the person says, no. Last week I just gave you $5 million. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's what happens here. Hashem says, you're undeserving, you didn't work for it. I just gave you and granted you all this money and now I'm asking for a donation. And they say, no, how could it be? How could it be? How could it be? So he says, you see the capacity of the Yitzhahara to even convince yourself that you deserve and you're worthy and you worked hard for that which just came to you. Even that which just was gifted or granted to us, we somehow have this capacity to manipulate in our own minds and to make ourselves believe that we worked hard for it. So much so that we struggle to part with it. Again, similar idea as the Gra, reinforcing this notion of how strong this Yitzhahara is. And many more ideas along this line, but I want to move on. One last interpretation. Rabbi Dr. Abraham J. Tversky, Sechron Levracho's Yitzhahara, we just observed. What an incredibly special man. And he said the following amazing insight. Amazing insight. He says, people don't like to receive. Many people don't like to receive. They're in a difficult situation in life and they need help, they need chesed, they need meals, they need carpool, they need help and they don't want to. Why don't people ever want to receive? For two reasons, he says. Number one, pride. Person feels, my ego will be bruised. I'm the one who gives, I don't ever receive. I take care of others, I don't need to be taken care of. What does it say about me if I have to take? So people hesitate and they reject, they're reluctant, they don't want to do it. Number two, when you receive, what comes with it? A debt. You owe someone a debt of gratitude. Even in our vernacular, we lose that language. A debt of gratitude. People don't want to have or carry a debt of gratitude. So they refuse to receive. Some people have no problem with this. They receive readily. They're grateful to receive. I always say, you, you want to know about people you could tell at the end of a meal. You go out to eat together. There are two types of people. There's the one who says, I found a way for the other person to pay. I didn't have to pay anything, they treated. And there's the person who says, let me cover, let me treat, you'll get it next time. Nothing makes me happier than I got it. There's just two types of personalities. There's nothing wrong with them both say, let's split it. We both ate, we ate together, let's just split it, let's make it simple. So, but you had three appetizers, I had two, you had the more expensive appetizer, I had the less one, how do we calculate? Get out your calculator, algebra book, get out your, uh, what's the thing with the beads you move over? Yeah. You know, the people who sit there doing higher math, so make sure it's even and fair. But you can tell how generous a spirit someone has. So there are people who have no problem receiving. But there are many who say, I don't ever want, I don't want to get chesed, I don't want to get help, I don't want to receive, I don't want to take. So Rav Tursky said, V'yikhuli truma. Hashem formulated and expresses it in this way because he wants us to know there's nothing wrong with when you need to receive. There's a something called a gracious giver and there's something called a gracious receiver. You have to know how to give graciously. When you're called upon to show up and to step up and to give, you have to give graciously. And you have to know that when you're in a position to receive, it's not your fault. It's not your, you didn't do it. You have to receive graciously. That's what Hashem wants from you in that moment too. And that's, what, that's what's right for you. So Hashem says, you know what? In order to teach you, to show you, watch me. I'm going to do it. V'yikhuli truma. 
Moshe, go collect for me. Go teach the people. Hashem says, I'm not too big and I'm not too great and I'm not too worried to have a debt of gratitude. Then Moshe, for you to go collect for me. It's an amazing insight, no, Ratorsky? You see, there are people who struggle. And in those moments, I'm so happy to have seen this because it empowers me to tell people who sometimes hesitate and they push away and they're reluctant, they don't want help. That this in this moment, they're gracious giver and they're gracious receivers. Hashem was a gracious receiver. Kodesh Baruch Hu gave us a precedent of how to be a gracious receiver, of how to take graciously. Okay, let's start. Parak Hafei Pasuk Zayin. The tabernacle, all the components that go into it, the Mishkan and the Kalim. Parak Pasuk Zayin. Those who came to the rabbi's class last Shabbos, Rabbi Goldhar of Zichru, in 45 minutes taught us how to memorize all Chumash. Chumash, Bresh, Shemos, Veikr, B'mid, B'dvarim. 12, 11, 10, 10, 11. That's how many parshias are in each. What's in every parsha? Tells us the whole thing. Truma, Tetzav, Avaka gave us Truma, Tetzav, Mishkan, Kela. He went through the whole thing. If you weren't here, you really missed something special. It was very, very cool. Avnei Shom, Avnei Miluam, La'ifod, V'lachoshen. Says that Shom stones and stones for the settings for the iPhone and, and for the breastplate. So there's a beautiful insight of Rav Chaim, of, uh, Rav Chaim Shmulevitz here. We have all these materials that are listed. But Pasuk Dalit, back in verse 4, we have gold, silver, copper, turquoise, purple, scarlet, wool, linen, goat hair, dyed, ram skins, tachash skins, acacia wood, oil, spices. Everything is listed. And then at the end, we get to these precious jewels. The last thing we list are the shoham stones and the stones for the settings. So why they last? Why do they come after the last? Why is that a question? Because they are the most expensive. They're the most precious. They have the greatest value. So you would have asked me, if I'm trying to impress you or if I'm soliciting recruiting, let me first list the most impressive, the highest end. They should have been listed first. Why are they listed at the end? So Rechayim Shalavit says, you know why they're listed at the end? Because there was no effort in getting them. Stones are the way they appear. They're created. They're part of nature. They're part of nature. All these other materials needed to be worked, toil, effort. They need to be cultivated. They need to be created. They need a human intervention. So something might objectively have a greater value, but the truth is it's much less valuable. And that's what I tell you all the time. That I don't give her a diamond. I just you know, make up a card on the computer because it's my own initiative. And I'm just joking. I don't say that. But you see that the greater value to Hashem and what should be a greater value to us is not that which took no effort, was just created and made that way, but the materials that took a greater effort and that took more word. Ikar trumas hamishkan nidvas leiv. Because again, the giving is all about the effort. Giving is all about the energy. Giving is all about the attitude. So the stones, you find them in a quarry, you collected the stones, they had stones. They come ready to go. As opposed to the other materials that needed to be worked. So you see that even though objectively the stones have a greater value, but what is more valuable to Hashem is, what's more valuable to Hashem is the effort, is the effort, is the effort. Okay, that is Rechem Shmulevitz. Moving right along. V'chein tas, v'perach hafei, pasuk tes. Also, l'mikdash v'shechanti b'socham. We've spoken about this pasuk at length previously. We don't need to get into it again. The shift from the um, singular to the plural, make from me a mikdash, dwell in them, should say dwell in it, not them. Why the shift? We've spoken about a lot in the past. But go to Pasuk test, the next Pasuk. 
Everything I show you, the form of the tabernacle, the form of all of its vessels, so shall you do. Everything I'm showing you, this blueprint, this design, go get it done. Go get it done. Says the Nefesh HaChaim. Says Rav Chaim Go get it done. Quotes Rashi. Rashi says, Kain ta'asu ledoros. For generations to come. What is Rashi talking about for generations to come? We built the Mishkan once. We built the Beis HaMikdash twice, but in theory once. So what do you mean ledoros? Torah is now going to spend four out of the next five parshios. Torah is now going to spend second half of Sefer Shmos. Mishkan Karbanos take up 50% of the Torah, more. What do you mean Ladoros? For generations to come. This is it. This is it. So the Nefesh HaChaim writes in Shara Al of Perak Dalad, based on the Groh, that Kokulo shall base Amikdash Hayim Avusam Ba'alichos Latorah Shnutz Hashem Ba'aron Be'beis Kodesh HaKadoshim and throughout the Mishkan. That we should understand the following. It's not that the Mishkan was the Mashal, is, is the Nimshal, and we are the mashal. Hashem says, I want to dwell not in it, but in them. And we are supposed to be living and walking, but they mikdash. We are supposed to be godly and godlike. We are supposed to be vessels that communicate, vehicles that bring God and godliness and light into this world. The real charge here and the real description, and we'll get into a little bit, unfortunately we won't have time at length, but Baruch Hashem, we have four of the next five, five parshiyos to do it. The dimensions, the materials, the symbolism, it's all really about us. It's not about bricks and mortar. It's not about structure and vessels. It's really all about us, who we are, who we're meant to be, and the vessels that we are meant to be in this world. So you might say to yourself, that's cute, that's a cute message. That's cute. One of the most famous Divri Torah in all Chumash. Really, we're supposed to be the base of Mikdash? That's cute. So really, you know, we are the Mashal, and really the base of Mikdash is the Nimshal. But Rechaim Velazhner says that that's backwards. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a Beis HaMikdash as the Mashal, and we are the Nimshal. It's not that the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. We don't have it. We're sad about it. So we came up with a cute vort, and we came up with a great song, Belvavi Mishkan Evne, so that at Chalash at, at NCSY Shabbatons, we have something to sing. It's not that we came up with this because we don't have the Beis HaMikdash, so we came up with a cute vort. We're getting it all wrong. We need to know fundamentally. We need to know we are the nimshal. The whole base of Mikdash and everything we're about to learn and everything we're about to study and every detail and every prat is a description for us and for our lives and for who we are. Shmuel Arbach, based on a Gemara in Yuma, Dafhei, says, you know, at the end of Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol, we sing about this on Yom Kippur, would be escorted by the people. If he came out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim alive, it bode well for the people that they were innocent, that their kapara was received. And he was escorted out. And a big party ensued. Everybody was joyous. It was incredible. So the Gemara that tells a story that there was a kind of coin guard that left the base of Mikdash. He was being escorted by the whole nation. A huge entourage. Grateful, excited, joyous, happy, partying. And what happened? All of a sudden, Shmaya Avtalion came around. And when the people saw them, they quickly pivoted, abandoned the coin guard who walked the rest of the way home by himself, and went to go escort Shmaya Avtalion. Because these two great scholars, Shmaya Avtalion of the Zugos, this pair of great scholars, scholars of Torah Shabbat Peh. So Shmuel Arbach wonders, what? What happened? 
I thought you're supposed to escort an arm of the Kohen Gadol. He's the one who just achieved the Kapara. He's the one who served the Beis Hamikdash. How could they have abandoned him to go walk and escort Shmaya Va'avtalion? So he explains because the Kohen Gadol serves in the Beis Hamikdash. The Beis Hamikdash is the Mashal. But Shmaya Va'avtalion were the Nimshal. The people who are the living, walking embodiment of Torah, they are living, vibrant, dynamic Bate Mikdash. So if you can serve a living, dynamic, vibrant, mobile Beis HaMikdash, that's who you go escort. That's who you walk. That's what life is meant to be. I don't remember where I saw this, but they say that's the shot in the Pasuk. Kechol asher ani kein ta'asu. Moshe Rabbeinu was not saying, Kechol asher ani Everything I show you, you do, is not everything I show you on the blueprints, on the plans, with the materials. Everything I show you, who I am. Moshe Rabbeinu is a Beis HaMikdash. What he was telling the people is, my life is incorporating all these teachings, all these vessels, all these dimensions, all these plans. That's who I am. Everything that I show you by example and how I live and who I am, that's what you should go incorporate and live and execute on in your life. That's what you're meant to be. That is who and what we are meant to be. The Aaron, in fact, let's look at its dimensions for a moment. Let's go with the first vessel now. The Aron, the Ark, Ark of the Aron HaLuchos, Aron HaBris. It was made out of a Keshu wood, It was one, it was two and a half cubits in its length, two and a, and a cubit and a half in its width, and a cubit and a half in its height. Ama, and Ama is a foot and a half, approximately a foot and a half. And Ama, a cubit. So you'll notice the Kliyakar does, even if you don't, and here right now, I'm going to give you a perfect example of what we just spoke about. That it's the Besamikta, the, the Mishkan and its Kalim are the mushal. All these dimensions, all these materials are to give us insight into ourselves. It's not just a cute Tvar Torah for later. So the Kliyakar, I think, does it best. Rav Lunshitz, the great Kliyakar, where he now goes through our Parshios, Truma and Tetzava, and he looks at the dimensions, the materials, the details, and he says, what can we extract? What can we learn about how to incorporate that into who we are and the Beis HaMikdash that is our lives? The Beis HaMikdash that is our lives. So he notes something very fascinating. He says some of the vessels, the unit of measure of their dimensions are whole units and others are integers, others are fractions. So here the Aron is a fraction, two and a half, one and a half. Why not use whole numbers? It's easier. If you've ever had to build or assemble anything, if you got a whole number, it's just easier. When you go to Home Depot or Lowe's and you say, could you cut me the board two feet, it's easier than one and one eighth, one and one quarter or one and whatever. Anything that you don't have to do a lot of math is easier. So why, why sometimes is it fractions? Why sometimes whole numbers? So the Kliakar says the following. It's a long Kliakar. I wish we had time to review the whole thing, but you have time, we have time. It doesn't all have to happen in the Parsha class. Look at the Kliakar inside. It's an amazing Kliakar. There are three core utensils, vessels in the Mishkan. Each of them had a Zer Zahav, had a golden crown around them. And they are the Aron, the Shulchan, the Mizbeach. The Aron, the Ark, the Shulchan, the table, and the Mizbeach, the altar, had a golden crown around them. And Chazal say in Yumayim Beis that these three vessels are Keneged, Gimok Sarim, Kesatora, Kesarkuna, Keser Malchus. These three vessels correspond with the three crowns that we are given and that each of us is meant to wear with the Kesar Shem Tov, of course, being the greatest, the highest of them all. 
And if you look, you'll notice, if you compare and contrast these three vessels, you'll see that the way their dimensions are communicated and relayed are all, are all different. I hope your Kliyakar is a bigger font than mine. Namely, Aron Hayikolamos of Shvuros, Vamizbeach Hayikolamos of Shlemos, Vashulcha Hayikolamos of Shvuros, Vamizbeach Shlemos. Hello, Davarhu. Hello, Davarhu. It's like the Kliyakar says, Ha! Isn't that interesting? Hello, Davarhu. I love that expression. Hello, Davarhu. Ha! Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Like these Torah personalities, they come alive in their parish. You can picture them, you can hear them, you're living with them. That's why we say, the, we don't say the Kliyakar said. Think about it. Every parsha, every shir we ever give, it's such a beautiful thing about Jewish study. We don't say the Kliyakar said. I've never in my whole life heard Rashi said, Toysva said, the Rambam said, Rashi said. The Kliyakar says. He says, he's saying to me this right now, hello Davaru. Ha! Isn't that interesting? He's saying that to us right now. So what's so interesting? What's he find so interesting? These three vessels, the core three vessels, which correspond with the three crowns, Keser, Torah, Keser, Machos, Keser, Kahuna, the three that had the Zerzah of the golden thing. And yet, interesting, if you look at it, ha, huh, it's interesting. The Aron, all of its dimensions were broken, fractions. The altar, all their dimensions are complete numbers. And the Shulchan, the table, some are whole numbers, some are fractions. That's not a coincidence, says the Kliyakar. Okay, if it's, not a Kliyakar, if it's not a coincidence, then what does it mean? Why? Why is it that way? Again, he elaborates, but I'll just tell you quickly what he says. He says, he says, you know why? The Aaron held the luchos. The Aaron is the symbol of Torah. When it comes to wisdom, knowledge, Torah, you're never whole. You're never complete. You've never arrived. Nobody can say, I know it all. I have it all. I hold it all. There's no such thing. So each side of the Aaron was a fraction because each side of the Aaron corresponds with another aspect of Torah wisdom. But in all of Torah wisdom, we are incomplete. We're never done. We're never done. We're never finished. We have to see and recognize ourselves as forever incomplete, needing to grow. And then he goes on and he says, well, if that's the case, then no. Why does it come to the, to the uh, Shulchan? Why, when it comes to the Mizbeach, are you complete? And it comes to the Shulchan, you're partially complete. Again, he applies it. I encourage you to see the rest of that Kliyakar inside, but it's really very, very beautiful, a very fantastic insight. And an example of what the um, Rechaim Velazhina was saying, that we are the Nimshel, the Mishkan and its Kalim are the Mashal. And really it's all a design and a program and a formula for us and for how, and for how we live. So another example. Mibayis Michos, Perch Hafei Pasuk Yedalaf. When it came to the Aron, we cover it with pure gold from within and from without, and you make it of a gold crown all along. Now, gold on the inside, what a waste. What a waste. If you're the architect, the designer, and if you're a donor, I'd say to you, gold on the outside, I get it. Why? It's the superficial, the surface. Everybody sees it. You want it to be majestic and royal and beautiful. And so it's golden on the outside, everybody sees. Gold on the inside. Nobody sees the inside of the Aron. Why would you waste money? Why would you spend money? Why would you use up this commodity of gold to put it on the inside? Why does that make sense? Why does that make sense? So the Gemara Numa tells us 
Because Because the Aaron represents Torah. So a person is going to be golden on the outside and be rotten, cheap, inexpensive on the inside. You're not a Tamachacham. You shuckle so hard in shul, and on the outside you look so pious and virtuous and righteous and religious, but really who you are inside is corrupt and contaminated and, and duplicitous and hypocritical. That's not a Tamachacham. Tamachacham has to be Tachel Kaboro. Tamachacham has to be the inside, has to match the outside. You have to be pure and genuine through and through. You have to be consistent. So again, the Aaron's designed that way, not because the Aaron's what matters. We matter. We who strive to be Tamite Chacham and we who are working and yearning and have ambition to be a living, vibrant, dynamic Aaron need to know that part of our mission is to be Tachel Kaboro for our inside and for our outside to match. Good. There's still one question then. Pasuk says it's gold on the outside, gold on the inside, and, but it's made of acacia wood. Well, if it's gold on the outside, gold on the inside, so just make it out of gold. Now, why do you need the wood? So I understand why you need the gold on the inside, because you need to be consistent through and through. But once you're being consistent through and through, just fashion a nice piece of gold and make your arum. Why do you need wood now at the core? Why do you need wood at the center? So Yosef Lev Bloch, who was the Rosh of Tells, says the following. It's a great insight. He says, because even the Tamar Chacham needs to know that as golden as they are on the outside and the inside, inside of them is still wood. Wood grows from the ground. Wood is a part of nature. Wood is earth. Wood is material. Wood is physical. As holy, as spiritual, as high as we fly, as much as we try to be great, even the Tamar Chacham needs to stay rooted and know where they come from and what they're about. You can't ever think, this is when you're in danger, when you think that I'm detached, I rise above, I transcend the physical world, I'm so spiritual, so holy, then you're in trouble. So Tamachacham has to be golden on the outside and golden on the inside, but also has to have wood at the center, at the foundation to remember that we're rooted in this world, we're rooted down here on, on earth. We have time for one more. Hmm. Such good ones. Still sticking to the Perachafei Pasuki Gimel. Sticking to the Aaron. V'yasisa badei atzei shitim v'tzipisa oso zahav Sorry, not this one. Pasuk. Sorry, bear with me one more moment. Yep. Uh, no. I lost this pasuk. Hold on one second. The Urios, we go through all the Kalim, the Aaron, and the... Yeah, no. Maybe I'm not meant to do this one. Ha'ama mizeh ha'ama mizeh ba'odav ba'orach yiriyosa o'ol yasaruach ha'tzidei ha'mishkan mizeh u'mizeh l'chasoso. Yeah, perek chaf vav pasukit gimel. I'm sorry about that. Page 454. So after we go through the vessels, we talk about the cover of the mishkan. 
The Mishkan was made of curtains, ten curtains, twisted with linen, turquoise, purple, wool, a woven design on them with the length of these curtains, how the curtains are hung, the loops that are made. But these curtains comprise the cover of the Mishkan. And here, Pasuket Gimel says, The curtains, a cubit on one side, a cubit on the other, extra in length of the curtains of the tent. Why would they hang with extra material? They were hanging over the sides of the Mishkan on one side and on the other side in order to cover it. So Rashi says, why would you make it extra material? Why would it be extra length? Torah itself tells us. It hung a little extra over so that it would cover, says Rashi. Torah here is teaching us Derech Eretz. And what is the Derech Eretz? The Derech Eretz is that we are careful of Ayafa. It's beautiful, it's magnificent, so we're careful. So it says Rav Simcha Zesel Broid, Rashiv of Chevron. What does Rashi mean? Chasa al Yofim Shayirios. Are we being careful on the Mishkan? It's beautiful, it's beauty, these curtains, and not get dirty, and not get soiled, and not get stained? What does that mean? He says, impossible. Why? Because we know that in the Midbar, Simlosayim Lobolo Mehem their own clothing they never grew out of, their own clothing miraculously never wore out, never got stained. So if clothing didn't wear out or get stained, certainly the Urios of the Mishkan, these curtains of this holy place never did. They didn't need dry cleaning. So why have it hang over extra? And what is the Derech Eretz? So he says, What you hold precious and what you value, you protect and you cover. When you expose, you don't really care. Simcha Zissel says, this is the definition of Tznias. Tznias is not about prudeness. Tznias is not about some religious coercion. Tznias is not about power. Tznias for both men and women. Tznias is about, you know, your most precious jewelry you put in the safety deposit box. Your most precious jewelry you didn't wear to the Parsha share this morning. Your most precious jewelry is in your safe. Comes out on special occasions. You're grateful, you're glad you have it. But what you care about, you value the most, you protect and you cover. And the things that we expose and we share and make accessible to the world, we don't really value. And that's what the Torah is telling us here. It's a mida of to know what you value and what is precious and to care about, to protect and to cover it. That we don't share, we don't expose, we don't overexpose. We don't overexpose. Rashi says, Lama Nimshli Yisrael, the ego is why the Jewish people compared to a nut. I have my own answer to that. My ego ze ataroa osakula eitz veina nikar basha vesocho, potza matzomala maguros maguros shalochlem, kach Yisrael, tsnuva an vasem masem, intamidim shem nikarm. A nut on the outside looks like a hard shell, a worthless nut. When you crack it open, you find delicious, nutritional, valuable food on the inside. Similarly, the Jewish people, modest, humble, covered, and on the inside you see what we value, what is true, what is real. So this is the Mida of Der Heretz. So I thought this very much connects with an insight that Rabbi Soloveitchik has. I shared with you before, I wrote a whole article about it once, because I think that our generation arguably needs this more than any. And we'll end with this insight, which is a review. We've shared it before. Later in the parsha, we're told about the Parochas. The Parochas the parochas is the curtain, and the curtain separates between the holy and the holy of holies. The holy of holies, the holiest place on earth, was sectioned off 
was separated by the parochas, by the curtain that separated it. Says Rabbi Salavich the following, listen carefully. He says, from the time I was young, I learned to restrain my feelings and not to demonstrate what was happening in my emotional world. My father would say that the holier and more intimate the feeling, the more it should be concealed. There's a hidden curtain that separates between one's interior, our Kodesh and our Kodesh HaKadoshim. What location is more sanctified than the inner sanctum of one's emotional life? If all is going well and one's heart overflows with happiness, reveal the deep interior of your soul to God. But you don't have to reveal it to others lest a stranger profane the Holy of Holies. If on the other hand, someone is in dire straits, mired in the cloud of pain and suffering, finding himself abandoned and alone, he should reveal his thoughts before Hashem. He should cry to him and supplicate behind the curtain. A stranger should not approach the Holy of Holies, lest his apathy, he profanes the sanctity of the mute pain that burdens the sufferer. Loyavo, a person, a czar, can't come. The coin Gadol's rendezvous with his creator is in solitude. Rabbi describes, and here he describes, I think, sadly, I'm not suggesting we emulate this, he says, my father never kissed me. A kalta litvak, a cold brisker, the Rav said, my father never kissed me. When he took leave of me, he would press his hand into my hand and say, go in peace and may Hashem watch over you. A casual onlooker, were he to hear these routine words, might have been taken aback and mumbled to himself, dry, brisker coldness. But that observer witnessed only the exterior, that which was outside the curtain of my father's personality, did not comprehend that his interior, his Kodesh HaGadashim, was full of mercy and compassion, contained a refined and bold love for his children, incessantly concerned about their welfare, sacrificing himself for their future. His entire being was overwhelmed with love. At the same time, he was careful not to violate the warning that no man shall be in the tent of meeting, protecting the modesty of his emotional life. I'm not suggesting. I, I, I receive kisses from my parents and I give kisses to my children. I think our generation needs a lot of love and affection, verbal and otherwise. I'm not suggesting that we imitate the Rav in this way. But is this, in, is this insight not only not brilliant, but necessary for our generation? Social media has peeled back the curtain. And everyone thinks that not only is it mutter, but it's a mitzvah today to share with the world every feeling, every experience, every emotion, every everything, every dessert you had, everything. There's a mitzvah to share. And the Rav is saying again, the prescription for the Mishkan is a prescription for our lives. We need curtains. We need to have our own Kodesh HaKadashim. There has to be feelings and experiences that don't have to be shared with the world. That they represent the innermost sanctum, the innermost sanctuary, the holiest place within ourselves, the personal, the private, that we have them. And we have to reinstate that and we have to preserve that. We have to teach that within our children. Because the oversharing and overexposure and again, I think this insight of the Rav about the role of the Paruchas really stems so beautifully with this insight that we saw from the Telzer Rosh Hashiva about the cover and Rashi, that Derech Eretz. Derech Eretz is to cover that which is Yafa. What you value, what you hold most valuable, what is most dear to you, you don't just share, you don't just expose, you don't walk down the street and say, look and see. Now the application of the world of Sneas, both for men and women, is that when a person lacks tzniyas, when they dress immodestly, what they're saying is, I don't really value my body, I don't really value who I am, I don't save it for the right setting, and the right person, and the right time, but I just share it, I share it. So just like we're living in a world where people share their nakedness physically, we're living in a world where people are sharing and exposing their nakedness spiritually and emotionally too much. And we need to put back the parochas, we need to put back the urios, and the mechse, and the cover, we need to recognize that Derech Eretz once again. And that, I think, will help our mental health. We're not doing it punitively. 
We're doing it because perhaps that will help us with our mental health. So thank you very much. The lunch alone is at 12.30, 7.30 tonight. We go to the Free Adikar Rebbe. And in between, I'm happy to have any conversation of what you'd like to contribute to our Mikdash Ma'at and our future growth. Till next time, stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy. We've never cleared out a room so quickly as that last uh, comment. <laughs>